Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we are here today to give you part two of the Fred and Rose West case, which we decided to do a theme this week of just when you think you've heard it all. Because this case brings you everything. 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 Mm -hmm. To quickly summarize, and if you have not listened to Sunday's episode, Hit pause on this one. Go back and listen to Sundays so you get the full picture. Yeah. It was a very robust episode. Went mm-hmm. into a lot of details. Just to refresh the memories of everyone who's already listened to that episode. Where we left you is we have Fred West, who has already murdered his ex-wife, Rena. Well, he never really divorced her. So he widowed, widowed himself through murder. Yes, he um, widowed his, his own self. He did, um, of Rena. Or mm-hmm. uh, Catherine Costello, as she was born. Mm-hmm. And Rose West has murdered their daughter, Charmaine. Now, she still to this day denies that she murdered Charmaine. Um, there is some testimony from a neighbor, however, that that confirmed that when Rose started telling everyone that Charmaine was missing, Fred was still in prison. The dental records indicate that Charmaine, from her remains that were found under the the kitchen of 25 Midland Road, where they lived when they found her remains, they confirm as well that the timeline is more likely before Fred was out of mm-hmm. jail. He was serving some time in jail for six months um, for car his, tax evasion and thieving. Yeah, his petty theft yeah, crimes. he stole some tires. He's a career thief. He had also killed Anna McFall, who was eight months pregnant with his <clears throat> child. Yes. At the time claimed that Anna actually never went, report was never reported missing. She was from um, a very difficult background and her family just believed that she was, she was out, you know, had run away. Mm-hmm. And also to recap, you left us cold, shaking it alone with the fingers I at did. the end. And I, I'm not over it yet. I know so. I did just so everybody knows where, where we're at. Fred and Rose West live now at 25 Crumwall Street, mm-hmm. which Crumwall Street is a very, very seedy area. Um, they have some rooms upstairs that they rent out to s- some lodgers that come and go. And they have eight children, three of which were conceived by Rose's... Lodgers. Um, well... Her clients. Yep, yep. We her should clients. say her clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. She has quite a lucrative career for her as a sex worker. And it resulted in three children that are very clearly uh, not ma- yeah, Fred's. not Fred's. Mm-hmm. And he accepts them as his own because he supports her. Where we left you is I was giving you a bit of an insight into the type of man that Fred is, the type of father that Fred is. And oh, God. Okay. He yes. is sexually perverse. That's actually saying it so very nicely. So nicely. He, he has an affinity for constantly groping women not just his wife but women in general rose walks around the house with uh without underwear to which he often takes advantage of right in front of the children and he feels that it's very much okay to be um open with sexual 
acts and videos in front of the children. Yes, they uh, the children are often sitting around the TV and forced to watch the video home videos that he's taken of their mother partaking in her sex work. Also, just other fetish type um, commercial pornography. There is some on bestiality. There is child sexual abuse. There is really, really intense sexual sadistic material Mm -hmm. that is in this house that is the children are watching being forced to watch Um, I do get into it a little bit about May what May has to say May's book uh, as love always mom is one that I read for this and I highly recommend it and the other one is Fred and Rose by Howard Sounds and I also recommend that one as well and so, so here we are, we're, we're at 25 Cromwell Street, there's eight children, and I want to talk about the house a little bit. You know, in the last episode, I let you know that there are lodgers in the upstairs. It's a three-story house, mm-hmm. and in the upstairs rooms, people are coming and going, they're renting rooms, they call them bed sits in, in England, which I think is, I like that. That's fun. Uh-huh. They have that going on. Rose has her special room. Which she actually has, she carries the key to her special room. She wears it on a necklace around her neck, just to add to the whole picture of Rose. She is a a bit of a plump woman, and she dresses like a little schoolgirl. I think we, yeah, you had mentioned that Mm -hmm. before. She wears the tall knickers, the the skirts. um, Now, does she do that all the time or just for the... the, Well, this is what she prefers. Even when she goes to prison and has her daughter bringing her clothes this is what she she's like bring me the school girl outfit yes yep that's interesting she never really i think mentally develops out of about the time where she was raped um between the ages of 12 and 14 um that makes absolute sense yep not uncommon no no there's there's definitely some unresolved issues there also we learned in the other episode that she is having continuing to have a sexual relationship with her father into adulthood he becomes is is one of her clients of her um sex work yes yep you mike dropped us with that too i did there's there's gonna be a lot more (laughs) there's a lot yes and so now, you might be wondering, where are all these kids sleeping in this house when all yeah. this is going on? That's a good question. So, Fred Reed does the cellar of the home at some point in time. Now, the thing about the cellar, and this is where it reminded me of Joseph Fritzl, the cellar, as we would call it, a basement, mm-hmm. it does not have access from the main part of the house. You can't get to it like in, in our houses today. You can get to the basement from your house. You have to actually walk outside down some stairs to the cellar door. But this is where they would keep their four oldest children when they were really young before the younger kids. There, Remember I said there's eight kids. Uh-huh. The four older kids, and I'm sorry, I have to actually correct myself. The three older kids, Anna Marie, her room, which I told you in the last episode, they started sexually abusing her at the age of eight. And we're going to get yes. to that in a minute. She, her bedroom was actually next to Fred and Rose's marital bedroom. Okay. And the other three, so we have May, Heather, and Stephen. They live, their bedroom is in the cellar, which when you think about the safety of that, 
you can't get to these children's bedroom from the main part of the house. You have to go outside and walk downstairs. Yeah, that is terrifying. Mom would go and tuck them into bed every single night. Now, did they have legit bedrooms? Like, they were actual... beds. Yeah, they had toys and they had beds. Okay, so yeah. it wasn't like a Michigan basement cellar that... Well, it was initially, and Fred was burying bodies in it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Then he concreted over it and made it a room for his children. Oh, okay. Yeah. Improvising. I like it. Yeah, he did. He updated it Barf. with concrete. So the bodies are were underneath it. Yeah, and then he moved his three children into the bedroom. Oh, my goodness. And unbeknownst to them, because they are very small at this time. Yeah, so they, they didn't are, know. They're very young. They have, have no has idea. Has he not seen Poltergeist? I mean... Well... Interesting that you say that. In May's book, there is a victim that ends up getting buried in the floor of the kitchen. I'm s- excuse me, the bathroom. Hauntings. Yes, I knew they, it. They talk about how there was a pre- that bathroom freaked them out a little bit. That was upstairs. There was a presence and an a coldness that would would happen in that bathroom. And I now, it. now it all makes sense to them. There's mm-hmm. some bad energy there. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what I was Ooh, getting it gives at, me besides, shudders. besides letting you know, and we will get to the victims in just a minute, he had buried some bodies there, then decided let's, let's redo the cellar and then it can be the kids' rooms. Rose would tuck them into bed at night and then lock them in the cellar because oh she can't risk them. They're very small. They are like five seven eight years old when this is is when they're sleeping down there possibly even a little bit younger I'm sorry I forgot to make note of their ages I just recalled that it was they're very young to be being locked in a in a part of the house that wasn't accessible like if there's a fire if there's an emergency these kids are locked down there if they needed help with something they couldn't and that happened for help that happened a couple of times it would flood they would wake up and their stuff would be floating. Oh my And they'd gosh. have to wait until Rose got up the next morning and unlocked it and let them out. Which May talks about how it would flood and there would be this horrific smell that was emanating from the water that she now knows. Oh my god! Was the decaying bodies. I have no words right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need an I need an adult timeout right now. <laughs> I like I can't. I made you I brought wine for Amber tonight. We're sipping some wine. Get your wine. While we record this because I I could tell by my sentence of how he used to insert his fingers and make his children smell it Still not into over their it. mother. Still um, not over it. I no. know. I knew to get you through this one, I was going to have to liquor you up a little yeah. bit. So <laughs> it is, drink up, honey. It is needed. Oh my gosh, th- these poor children. These babies had no idea. And that's something, the reason I wanted to make sure I got that into the episode is because there has been criticism. These children are adults by the time their parents get busted. Mm-hmm. A majority of the older ones, mm-hmm. the ones that lived in the cellar, are adults. And there was criticism about how could you have not known that this was going on? Well, because... Fred and Rose made sure that they didn't know because they were locked in a cellar for their bedroom, mm-hmm. which a majority of the crimes happened at night. Yes, they knew what their mom was up to in her special bedroom or whatever, but mm-hmm. that's doing that is a long stretch from murder. Absolutely. And also, I, I feel like they were raised in just such horrible circumstances that they probably 
well, they saw many things that your average child doesn't see. Correct. And they probably didn't question what their parents were doing the rest of the time. Absolutely not, because they were so weird. Yeah, I mean, honestly. they were so weird. And Rose talks about, like, she knew, they knew that their family was different. They weren't oblivious mm-hmm. to those things. But what are you going to do about it? As a child, you're just surviving. Yeah. You just and if you're exposed, it. You do. And if you're exposed to all of those really weird things at an uh, early age, you probably, I mean, that's just the way it is. Correct. It just so they probably didn't normal. question a lot. And she does talk, too, about how in hindsight, she realizes how dangerous it was for them to be put in that cellar. And, and it never dawned on her wondering why Anna Marie had a bedroom upstairs was, next I'm to glad, Fred and Rose. I'm glad you brought us back to that because I was going to ask if that the blah, if it was specifically because oh yes they were targeting her for the sexual yes. abuse. They were, uh. they were, and I and I had, as I had indicated in the last episode that started when she was eight years old. So and she's the oldest. So that gives you a time frame of Heather was born um, just after her. So Heather, Heather is, you know, six, seven years old. Then May would be five and Stephen would be about three, four. You know, so that's how little they are when they're being locked in the cellar. It gives me anxiety to think about oh, it. Me because too. if that water started coming in, yep. I would be so scared how full how full is it gonna get am I gonna drown you know what they did was they would like jump from they had this big toy trunk in there they would jump like from their bunks to the trunk to another bunk and like made a game out of it as the the water was coming in and they had no idea what that terrible terrible smell was oh my gosh I want to talk a little bit about Rose as a mother one good thing that she has going for her and it literally is the only good thing is that she was actually really exceptionally attentive to babies. When she loved being pregnant, when she had babies, she was such a good mom to babies. She was caring, loving. I mean, just So she liked really, the baby she face. Did. She liked the baby face. And as often that we see with large families, the older children were expected to help care for the younger ones, especially when she was entertaining her clients and things like that. But when the kids turned seven, that is when they were expected to now start pulling their own weight around the house. They were given strict numerous daily chores to perform, which was often reflective of like Fred's upbringing, how he remember I had how I had said that his family were exceptionally poor farmers and they from a young age had to work on the farm and didn't really have a lot of time to socialize. Well, the kids were not allowed friendships outside of the family and you could really they could only really socialize outside of the house if one of their parents was present. And the reason for this is because of their severe punishments that they would get from Rose. She was extremely physically abusive, but she would make sure not to inflict any harm where other people could see it. So hands Places that can't be really covered up. Hands, face, you know, any I, any sort of area. Throat. I feel like these are the worst kind of abusers because they know exactly what they're doing. They're they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's how much control she has over herself because she is able to to control herself not to hit um, in any, places. any place where yeah. people could see. So that just puts it on another level of cruelty mm-hmm. that you you have that much control, but you want to hurt these children. And you know it's not okay. Correct. But you want to hide it. Exactly. You know it's not okay, so you know you have to hide it. Remember how she um, was said to have a lower IQ, and I said, yes. don't underestimate her? 
Yes. This is why. Just because someone has a lower IQ does not mean that they that don't they can't pick up manipulate on, and mm-hmm. that they can't other survival skills mm-hmm. when they were in their own situation. Correct. And I feel like a lot of people actually with lower IQs, they actually you know they're savvy in other areas. Exactly. Very so. very true. Now, uh, Rose's violence was really really irrational. They never really knew. Remember, she had a father that was schizophrenic, and they just never really knew. What's going to set her off? It could be something very small. They could do something where they thought for sure they were going to get the crap kicked out of them and she wouldn't react. But then they would do something innocent like, you know, shut a cupboard door too hard or something like that and they would get the crap kicked out of them. It was very difficult. That's a, that's really hard to live with, that type of anxiety of just not knowing what version of your mom you're going to get. And I think I told you guys that, that really uh, Fred... Like the kids would get physically disciplined occasionally by Fred, Uh but it was not anything that left any sort of mark on them where they were like, yeah, he was really abusive. It was Rose who was physically abusive and really, really horrible. I find it interesting because of how awful he was to Rena. Like it's like when he married Rose and she became the dominant one in the relationship and actually Rose was physically violent with Fred as well. So perhaps Fred became scared of her and that's why he never... There's not the domestic violence going the uh, that way where Fred is beating up Rose. But Fred was even really horrible to Charmaine, although he was racist and she was biracial. So I think that that's why he took out a lot of the brown. He was physically harmful to Charmaine. And he is racist. Yes. We've established that. So. Yes. It was obvious that three of, of Rose's children that she bore were not Fred's because they were biracial. And he, as much as he, he accepted them, but it saved the girls from his sexual advances because he did he not did sexually not be- abuse them. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. No. Because he was, he did not believe in, although he had the sexual, like, obsession with oh, he, biracial sex. He preferred that Rose would have sex with black men. Yes, he was because obsessed they with their the penises. size of their genitalia. But mm-hmm. he still was racist, and it, uh, I just I can't mm-hmm. handle this man's contradictions. I know. It's so, so strange. It is. It's really, really strange, and it's hard to wrap your brain around, it really. really is. I'm just like, how can, you, how can you be like that? Yeah. There were even times when Stephen and Heather attempted to run away. They slept on the streets, but they always came back. So it's not like, you know, these children weren't affected by what was going on. It's mm-hmm. just they didn't know that their parents were capable of murder right. at that point in time. Now, you're going to find this one a little shocking. Between 1972 and 1992... The West children were admitted to the accident and emergency department of local hospitals 31 times. What? The injuries were explained as accidents and social services was never called. 31 times. And they still there didn't was like question no it? no system for compiling record of how many times these children, various children, because they have eight of them, came in. Oh, wow. So, so every time they were just like... In a 10-year span... They came in 31 times with injuries that were explained as accidents. And maybe in 10 years, 31, I don't know. I have I have four kids, and there was a, a span of about a year and a half when they were toddlers where I felt like, okay, I and I was I was on I was the CPS worker on call one night when my child had to go in and get stitches. So I literally told the doctor, like, I'm the CPS worker on call. So if you need to call you, CPS, I'm here, here I already. Am. 
<laughs> oh my god! And it was the most ridiculous thing. My three-year-old at the time had slipped on pine needles going down a little slope in our yard and just bit right through his lip. Oh. He fell on his little tushy and bit through his lip. Ouchie. But it's like on his face. Like she mm-hmm. very well could have been like, hmm, did this mother, did someone punch him? You know, and I totally and get it. He was my shy child. So he had never talked to, never said a word to our pediatrician until right when the needle is like right at his lip. And he goes, what you doing? It's the first words he spoke to her. I love it. And here I am like, I'm a mess. I felt so bad for him. I mean, it was like, it was deep on the inside mm. of his lip. And, and it's so, in, so I get it because I, Mine had an accident too, where he slipped in the tub, like his, and I was literally right there, mm-hmm. like hovering over the tub, right, right. <laughs> unable to still stop him yes, from being able to and be injured. His butt slipped, and mm-hmm. he went just under the sink, mm. uh, or the you know the faucet, the faucet, yeah, and he. Uh, bumped his eye and he got a little bit of a black eye and I was like oh great, great. this is how mm-hmm. it happens here, you know here it goes here's my turn around so I get the part where you can't question I mean you can question but accidents do happen they do and exactly so and they've maybe, got they've got eight kids so maybe when they it, thought like oh they have all these kids it's just they're it's just bound to happen problem. yeah yep but over a 10-year span too maybe they're not going to keep records that long I mean, not I, I shouldn't say that because obviously they have these records they were able to trace this back but but somebody nobody wasn't checking. was nobody was there to put that all together mm. at the time. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. So on one occasion, when Stephen was mopping the kitchen floor with a with a cloth, Rose accidentally wait what? Yes, <laughs> I know. Do a whole podcast Aww. on how ridiculous that is. Rose accidentally stepped into the bowl of water that he'd been using. So that's her mistake. Uh, yes. Right? In response, Rose hit the boy over the head with the bowl and then repeatedly kicked him in the head and chest. As she shouted, you did that on purpose, you little swine. I'm really not a fan of Rose. I need her to... Are you telling me that he picked up your chubby foot and put it in that bowl on purpose? Because you're the idiot that didn't see where you were going. He's like, I know she'll step in it here. Yes, let's put it right here on the floor that I'm mopping with a cloth on my hands and knees. They probably made him do it with a cloth, too. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yes, they did. Poor little guy. So on another occasion, Raccoon... Home. Rose became furious about a uh, missing kitchen utensil, which if it was my pampered chef stuff, maybe. All right. That stuff's expensive. <laughs> sure is. But then she grabbed a knife that she'd been using to cut a slab of meat and repeatedly was putting little scour marks on May's chest until her rib cage was covered with little li- little knife wounds. Now, all the while, May was screaming, no mom, no mom. And Stephen and Heather stood by helplessly sobbing. Here she is, upset about a missing kitchen utensil. So May is the closest. Like, she's not like she stole the utensil. Yeah. These poor babies. Oh, my goodness. I, As I said before, even Fred became the recipi- recipient of his wife's violence. On one occasion in August 1974, Rose chased Fred with a carving knife in her hand. Fred was able to slam shut the door of um, the room in which he had like run into just plunge the knife into the door but when she lunged at him with the knife when it went into the door three of her fingers went sliding down the blade almost severing them from her hand which I'm ashamed of the look of excitement I have right now (laughs) now in a lot of in a lot of reports it was dramatic like that in May's book it was she was just like yeah it cut my mom's fingers really bad so I don't know. That would hurt so oh, bad. Gosh, yes. Oh my gosh. But 
also it hurts worse when it's inflicted you inflicted it yourself from your own rage because mm-hmm. like that's like when I'm angry and I stub my toe and I have only myself to blame right right I, because I was stomping somewhere like a little brat I'm surprised she didn't blame one of the kids for that too though no I know and she calmly this is what's scary she calmly wrapped her hand in a towel and said look what you done fella you got to take me to the hospital now oh wow like she, how, I could see how this would be terrifying. Right. She's just calmly, her fingers are cut like almost to the bone and she's just calmly wrapping them. Look, look what you did. Also, he didn't do that. Oh, you did. I hate to point gosh. that out to you. That had to have been the most terrifying moment. Yes. Which is why I wanted to get that story in there. Cause I'm like, I think this is why Fred was a much more docile husband to her because mm-hmm bitch be crazy i also see why the kids would have chosen him even in horrific circumstances they would rather go with him correct because sexual abuse and i've worked with many victims that will tell you that they it's not victims who have been both a victim of physical violence and sexual abuse will tell you that the physical violence is the worst worse yeah she sounds just awful sadly my face went from to i know i know (laughs) Um, I've never seen you so excited about the, the, the possibility of somebody losing fingers, but you were pretty giddy over it's, there. I struggle with how cruel these parents can be to their own children. Take a sip of wine because I'm going to tell you about Anne Marie West and you're not going to like it. Trigger right. alert to some horrific details. In September 1972, the Wests led eight-year-old Anna Marie to the cellar at 25 Cromwell Street where the child was ordered to undress. undress Uh, with Rose tearing her dress from her body upon noting the child's hesitation. So that was a direct quote. She was stripped naked. Now we know this information because this is the testimony that Anna Marie West gave at her, at her stepmother's murder trial. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So then she was stripped naked. She was bound to a mattress and gagged before Fred raped her with Rose's active encouragement the entire time. After the rape, Rose followed Anna Marie to the bathroom, laughing as she observed that she was struggling to walk. Oh my gosh. She then handed her a sanitary towel, explained to her, I'm sorry, everybody does it to every girl. It's a father's job. Don't worry and don't say anything to anybody. She made it very clear that the sexual assaults would continue and they threatened her with severe beatings if they ever received word that she had told somebody about the abuse. Of course. And when she testifies, she talks about how she could feel immediately that she was bleeding and that her father had like wiped something away um, in the act and which led the jury to believe it was her hymen. So it was much, it was more believable. And the reason I'm telling you these intimate details is because there was a lot of shock and like speculation of if this was true. So the more details that she could give, the more that it was obvious that Rose was there and that Fred was there and that they were both willing participants. And her mom made it clear while she was helping, oh, it's her stepmom, but still made it clear while she was helping her clean up that this is every going to happen again. Every husband's or every father's right to do this to a child, and it's going to make you a better wife oh someday. Gosh. So oh my gosh! Rose would occasionally sex, sexually abuse Anna Marie herself, just solo. Yep, just solo, and later took extreme gratification in degrading acts. They made her wear this concoction during the testimony. Anna Marie talks about a 
metal, like a phallic-shaped object that was first used to assault her with before Fred actually raped her. They then turned that into like this chastity chastity belt, but they attached that metal object to it so that it would have to be inserted in her, and they made her walk around and do her household chores like that. Oh my gosh. Yes. What in the heck is wrong with these people? Right. And they would just watch her. Rose got extreme gratification from that and watching her go through that. Like, did was it like a sexual thing for Rose? Yes. Yep. She was deriving sexual pleasure from that. Yep. Pardon me um, while I'm physically ill over here. And, and she would even, Rose herself would even bind her to various items of furniture and then encourage Fred to rape her. So her Rose's account of that she wasn't an active participant in any of this and that she didn't know, she claims later that she doesn't know anything about the murders, that she is not into this same grotesque sexual depravity that Fred was, is a complete lies. lie. Mm-hmm. All lies. When she turned 13, they started prostituting Anna Marie out, making her have sex with some of Rose's clients as well when she was 16 she runs away she leaves at the age of 16 is when a parent can no longer have control over legally uh-huh. over their child and at you know at this time I don't know if it's still that way in Britain but it was at this time I do not blame her no nope. and she and she left she actually later still has a relationship still to this day with Rose wow which I know is really surprising but She's it is slash, it isn't. Right. I mean, I know, like I said, we know how those boundaries are mm-hmm. complicated when it's a family member that's done these things. And and she did testify that Rose was always present in the room when these acts occurred, like whenever Fred raped her. There was a time when Anna Marie was like 13 or 14 where Rose took her to a pub, got her drunk, and made her like flirt with, with different men. And then Fred came and picked them up, and she forced Rose to drink some wine and whatnot. Fred picked her, picked them up. They get into the van, and she beats the shit out of Anna Marie's, telling her, well, what do you think, that we're going to be friends? What is the point oh in all that? Oh, my gosh. Such psychological damage. Absolutely. So then Heather and Mae West become the focus of Fred's sexual attentions after Anna Marie runs away from home in 1979. She runs away slash leaves. She's 16. You know, she can she can go. Mm-hmm. Anna Marie had actually become pregnant. And so Fred tried to perform his abortion things on her. Yeah, because he's a doctor on the side. I yes, forgot. yes, he is. Don't forget that from part one. And um, Rose actually beats her in the stomach over and over <sighs> again. Um, so bad that she um, after she got discharged from the hospital because the pregnancy was actually ectopic. ectopic. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Did so, so, so she. Obviously lost the baby. Yes. Because there was no chance. Yep. So all that happened just before she left. Oh my gosh. Yep. And I don't know, I don't know whose baby it was. They claimed that it was her boyfriend's, but you know, I mean, she was being. You were waiting for the moment where my soul leaves my body as it often does. And there it goes. I see it. It's floating. That did it. There it goes to the backyard. It's Hopefully gone. your neighbors pick it up. I, I hope so. Oh, that's that one hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah, that hurts. Yep. So she got she got beat, and um, when she was discharged from the hospital, that's when she was like, "Okay, I'm out." To find out that your daughter's pregnant and she gets treated for an ectopic pregnancy, and then just to 
beat her in the uh-huh. stomach as just it, like don't. with her it's not only is she but assisting the in the sexual abuse she's also doing the psychological and and physically so violent to them it's just in the same token i want to point out charmaine was not her child and anna marie was not her biological child right is not her biological child either not that she's not, I mean, she's physically abusive, horrible to her children. But this, it's interesting to me, the sexual abuse. Because it wasn't Fred, with her own. Right. That's not, yeah, not that we know of. We don't know if there was, we know more than likely Fred sexually abused Heather. But we don't know the circumstances behind it. Because I'm going to move on to that in just a, just a second. One of the things that Fred constantly said to as May and Heather are coming up is, I made you, I can do what I like with you. It's a father's right to know how to please your husband. So I'm going to show you what a real man is like, which like that cracks me up because he walks in with this big dick energy that he does not have. Right. Yeah. We've already talked about that. Oh yeah. So I find that ironic. What a distorted way of thinking and something to teach your child. But they, they really, so Heather, May and Steven would come together in like a pact and not leave each other in a room alone with their dad. And Aww. if he started to get, if he started to fondle the girls, because he would openly fondle them, they would like deflect and they would help each other out. And it became like this sibling pact Aww. of just, you have to watch out for dad. My heart. They're trying to stick together. They they were. And that's so survival is what I should say. It is. It really is. Because they, from the language that he's using, from the things that he was saying, they knew what was coming. Yeah. Yeah. So they stuck together and tried I hope, to. I hope that I've made it very clear how open he is about sex and yeah. incest and how it's not wrong. And it's what every father does. They knew better. They knew that wasn't true. Sorry, you could hear me throw those cords. <laughs> Fred also didn't love rejection. Okay, he once threw a vacuum cleaner at May because she full on like push rejected him when he got her into a bedroom alone and tried to make sexual advances on at her. She was able to completely get him away from her and he grabbed a vacuum cleaner and chucked it right at her and hit her with it. Mm -hmm. May recalled in her book that Heather was, quote, affected quite badly by this, even more than me. And it there. There is the suspicion that between 1985 and 1986, Heather had been forced to engage with in intercourse with Fred. And by the mid-1980s, she developed classic symptoms of the distress felt by victims of child abuse. So she had started biting her nails really bad until they bled, drinking alcohol. She was watching her father's every move, was very nervous in the presence of any males. She was not sleeping well at all. She started rocking. Remember we talked about... Rose and how she would zone out as a child and rock back and forth. And so Mm -hmm. her parents dubbed her Dozy Rosie, thinking that it's because she was cognitively impaired, when really she was being horrifically sexually abused by her father. This is the behavior Heather is now doing. And it's probably safe to say that she did endure the sexual abuse. Yes. And she just, did she never disclose that? She did not. She didn't get a chance to at the age of. Oh no, don't you do this to me. I'm sorry. Heather, I'm taking a drink. Okay. Heather expressed to May and Stephen that she had a desire to run away and live a nomadic lifestyle in the forest of Dean and to never see any human beings again. When she turned 16, her parents informed her, it's time that you start paying your way. You get a job. She had done really well in school. Heather was a good student. She did start getting in trouble when she, it's suspected that about the time that he started 
raping her. She had started to get in trouble at school. She, Like I said, she was drinking. She was mm-hmm. acting out. They had informed her, like, okay, you're done with school now, and it's time for you to get a job and make your way here. She had this job lined up at a camp that was over the holidays, and so it wasn't like a permanent thing, but it still got her out of the house. Like yeah. she would be gone. For sure. Mm-hmm. For this over over the holidays and to this camp job. Well, the night before she was supposed to leave, the camp called and the job fell through. Oh, no. And she spent the entire night. May recalls this, that she spent the entire night crying incessantly. I do not blame her. Three days before she was supposed to leave, she was at Anne-Marie's child's birthday party. Because by now, Heather is 16. So Anne-Marie had left. She she got married. She had a child. She kept in contact with her parents, but it was, I mean, she wasn't, you know, she was safe from Fred at that point in uh-huh. time. And they were over at a birthday party. And apparently Heather had like mouthed off or something like that. And Anne-Marie had told Fred and Rose about it the day before she's supposed to leave. Then this job falls through. So she's just in a really bad, bad yeah, place. Absolutely. And Stephen and May leave for school. And the other kids that were school age, they left for school. When they came home, Fred and Rose informed them that Heather um, got the job after all. And the person showed up and took them, took oh, her. no. And Heather was so happy and Heather was, gonna, you know, doing well. And then the weeks go by and the Heather months doesn't go come by back. and they're knowing something is really wrong. And her parents are spinning them tales of, well... Yep, I, I ran into Heather today. She looks pretty rough. She's into prostitution. She's into drugs. Oh, I got a phone call from Heather today. Wow. Just faking seeing her. When in reality, what had happened was Fred strangled her in the hallway uh, after a fight and buried her under the patio in the backyard. Oh, my gosh. What was the fight about? Does it ever? It is suspected. We don't know. Because Rose West still says that it was an Fred, accident. No, that Fred sent her out to the grocery store, and when he came back, he told her that she had um, went to the camp and then in the same st- song and dance that she ran away. Okay, Rose. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rose can just fuck right oh, off. I'm because so over her. We know Rose was there. Oh, of course she was there. She was absolutely there. Um, Probably dictating the whole thing. When and May suggested that they report Heather's disappearance to the police, Fred changes his story yet again, saying that it would otherwise initiate a search for Heather because she was involved in some credit card fraud, so he didn't want the police searching for her because then it would be they'd be snitching on her. Now he knows, oh yeah, I ran into she's involved in some credit card fraud. He constantly changed his story about where, where she, she was, was, what she was doing. Yes. Now, these kids are young, okay? and So they believe think, it. Yes, and think about it. You are never going to just assume that your parents are murderers. Yeah, oh, for sure, especially if they're little kids and they don't, I mean, even teenagers. I mean, no. you're, that's not going to be your first thought. Mm-mm. Especially wow. not when you knew there was changes in behavior in Heather. She was unhappy. Her running away, not out of the realm of possibilities, especially especially since Stephen and Anna Marie had tried it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just they lived in this blissful ignorance of she's out there somewhere doing well we hope yeah in 94 when he's busted finally he says this about heather i'm 
I mean Heather. I mean, I thought the bloody world of Heather. So anyway, I got to grips with it after a while. And the first thing that came into my mind was, I'm going to have to take this and sort it out, which I did. All the messes Rose got herself into. I took the fucking rap for them and helped them out. So anyway, I said, you'll have to tell me exactly what happened. She said that Heather was cut up. Well, I never felt so ill for a few seconds, a few minutes before I could go to get to grips with myself again. And I said... What on earth did you cut her up for? And she said, she wouldn't fit in the dustbin. Now, the thing that makes it hard is that she cut Heather up and chucked her in a fucking dustbin. Her daughter in a dustbin. Dustbin. Excuse me. So that's what he says in 1994. But Rose says that's what he did. And we do know that he did mutilate bodies before. It kind of was his thing. It was absolutely his thing. So we don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to tell you that I know the truth. But I really believe that and also when her remains are found and we'll get to it in a little while there is suggestion with the way that she's bound and gagged that she was sexually abused before she was, it was murdered. some kind of sexual yes. torture of some yes, kind it was and then he did dismember her body there and is no doubt in my mind she was there yes he did it he raped her mm-hmm. they both murdered her i mean they were yep. both present i agree and his his history is dismembering. I mean, yes, exactly. Her history. He was dismembering before he even met Rose. Yeah. So yeah, he was dismembering, and the fact that he's at this point in time implicating her, saying it was her. Mm-hmm. He's like the OG of dismembering. Yeah. yeah. He's the one that taught her how. <laughs> God, I didn't think you'd ever say that statement, but there it is. I don't know right? why I said it, but I had to say it. So, in the years following Heather's disappearance, though, Fred occasionally jokingly threatened the children that they would, quote, end up under the patio like Heather if they ever misbehaved (gasps) or divulged the mistreatment that they endured to anyone outside the household. He said that to Mm -hmm. them? So, he pretty much, like, confessed to the children. It was a, quote, family joke, which will come back around to bite him in the ass later. So, just a second. Hang on to that. With Rose's approval, he later constructed a barbecue pit immediately opposite of where Heather had been buried and placed a pine table on her grave for the children and the family to sit upon whenever the Wests held family gatherings in their garden. Pause on Heather for a second, and let's talk about the surviving victim, Caroline Owens. In October 1972, the Wests hired 17-year-old Caroline Owens as their child's nanny. They had picked her up one night on a secluded country road as she hitchhiked from Tewksbury, which I love that name. That is really catchy. Tewksbury. Tewksbury. From Tewksbury to Cinderford after visiting her boyfriend. Now, they learned immediately, because they were asking questions, that she didn't like her stepfather. She was looking for a job, and they're like, hey, how about come be a nanny to our three children? Because this is 1972, so the kids are young. Uh Uh-huh. Now, so she moves right into 25 Cromwell Street, and she shared a room with Anna Marie, And she remembers that Anna Marie at this time was very withdrawn. Mm -hmm. She's, yeah. Rightfully so. Yep. How Rose explained away her uh, sex work was by saying that she was a masseuse. Oh. Okay, that's, okay. I'd buy it. I mean, if I didn't know any better. Yeah, and she's 17. So she's like, sure. She's giving old men massage therapist. Okay. All right. I mean, you know, to a point she was. So, yeah. Okay. And I mean, actually, I'm sure it was therapeutic in some way. Later on, she does talk to May about her sex work and says sometimes the men didn't even want to engage in sex. They just wanted to talk, which I bet that does happen sometimes. See, it is therapy. Yeah. Some of them 
also just wanted physical contact. They were like, probably didn't lonely. want anything, you know, weird or kinky or anything like that. And they just they just wanted a companion for an hour. A good spooning is healthy for anyone. For sure. I'll I will spoon you anytime you're feeling lonely. Thank Amber. you. It's just an innocent spoon between friends. It, it is. <laughs> there is nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with, with it. <laughs> we would both fall asleep in five seconds. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> for the record. I think I snored too. So yeah. there was that. So Caroline is is living there. She noted immediately it's kind of weird. Um, you think Caroline? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Fred had let her know that he was a skilled abortionist, so he was oh available. God. He's available. If, this, she, if you ever need my services, Caroline, I am your man. This guy and his side hustle. I wonder hustle. If he made cards, business cards. Fred West. I can't. Illiterate, illiterate skilled abortionist. <laughs> with fuck? his picture on it, <laughs> like Richard Simmons. With his, his, his unruly clump of yes. hair. Yeah. This guy, I cannot handle it. Caroline noticed that he talked about sex sex incessantly and her suspicions to his sexual overtones were further heightened when he boasted about the many women that he claimed to have performed abortions upon. But then they, he was so good at it that they would offer their sexual um, services to him as payment. Wow. Mm-hmm. He was so good at performing abortions that they just wanted to. That that's what give these women wanted. Sex. They're yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, you're so good at aborting my child that I want to give you sex." Yeah, that I'm, sounds completely I'm sure, reasonable. I'm sure it wasn't at all like, "Oh, don't want to have that baby." Hey, how about we do some sexual favors and I'll and abort then, it for you? Mm-hmm. Gee, that seems more logical to and me. I don't even want to freaking know how this man performed these. It must have been horrific. You don't. Trauma. I'm, I'm sure a coat hanger's involved. Oh, uh, absolutely. It's not, it's not sterile. Nothing that happened was sterile in that home. <laughs> we know that. She decided when he then starts fondling her, Caroline's like, peace. I'm out of here. You people are freaking weird. And Amen, she, Caroline. She leaves. Unfortunately, though, they know of her hitchhiking habits along oh, the no. highway A40 between Cinderford and Tewksbury. So they abduct her. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought she was going to get away. Oh, uh, she almost did. Now, Fred later admitted that the specific incident of the this abduction was the rape and likely murder of Owens, but that his initial incentive was to determine whether his wife would be at least willing to help him in the abduction, which she was. So, so he was testing her? He was. That's what he's claiming. But it's hard oh, to believe anything yeah, that he says. Because he's a liar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what he claimed happened. But on December 6, 1972, they did ab- abduct her. She, they actually like lured her into the car with sincere apologies about, we're so sorry we scared you away. Let us give you a ride home. She gets into the car and immediately Rose begins to fondle her. And Fred even asked her, asked her if she had had sex with her boyfriend that night, which would have completely like got him off if she had. And so immediately she's regretting getting into this vehicle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, she began to protest. He stopped the car, referred to her as a bitch, bitch and then punched her into unconsciousness before um, he and Rose bound and gagged her with a scarf and duct tape. She explains that she was given a drugged cup of tea to drink and then again gagged and subjected to prolonged sexual assault from Fred and Rose. And she wrote a book so you can read the details. So she did survive. She did survive. Wow, okay. I was thinking that this was going to be their next victim. 
Well, I mean, she is a victim. She is a victim. No, it's not their next murder victim. They did not murder her. It is believed that it was after this. I mean, we know Fred murdered before he met Rose, but it's believed that after this incident is what led them as a couple to start murdering together. I see. So they got a taste of this sick thrill yeah i mean they didn't kill her but they tortured her this did happen before heathers it's just we happened to get on the topic of heathers so Mm -hmm. i apologize i don't mean to be confusing here and skip out of the timeline it's just that we were we were talking about heather and it kind of naturally led its way into that so this is before um heather and this is really how Okay, before Heather was murdered. Yep, yep, because Heather's just a child in 1972. It it is believed that, as far as we know, the incident with Caroline Owens is what leads them to start murdering their victims. Gotcha. Because they sexually assault her. At one point in time, Fred was, like, carrying on that her clitoris was abnormally large, and so he was, like, beating it with a leather belt. And she I was going to comment, but then I kind of like, I have nothing to say to that. But then immediately Rose starts performing cutilingus on her. And so it's very confusing for Caroline because she's like, what is what actually you, going what, yeah. on? The following morning, so they fall asleep, both of them, and she's just stuck in this room with both of them as this they fall sounds asleep. like the seventh circle of hell it, yeah definitely absolutely it's, it's one of them that's mm-hmm. for sure they also fornicated with each other while she's just bound and gagged and laying there i mean how horrible this poor poor girl <sighs> With their gelatinous bodies, so laying there, one of the right with their soft, shitty bodies, as I like to say, because you know they weren't toned. They were not. Look up pictures. There was no toning. (laughs) They're not getting their cardio in. Toning wasn't happening. I want to see Rose. I'm actually going to look her up. Okay. Uh, One of the kids actually knocked on the door the next morning and she started screaming for help. And Fred was like, listen, if you keep that up, I'm going to lock you in the cellar and allow my black friends to abuse you. Okay, you racist asshole. Uh, Give me a break. And he said, and when they're finished, I'm going to bury your body beneath the paving stones of Gloucester. She just looked up the picture, you guys. Oh, my gosh. Her face is not well. <laughs> Neither is his. <laughs> I told you. It's the, you're right. It's the his wish version of Richard well. Simmons. And yep. she is just a whole. When you look at them, you're like, you are capable. You did this? What? No one would have thought that he was this no. perverted sexual sadist. That is what I'm going to say. Her. You would never guess it. Look, look at, at the way they're dressed. She masturbates in front of her children. Oh, it's so disgusting. And look at her outfit. It's like all and that's buttoned how, up that's what she top. wore all the time. With, and it, they were short skirts with knickers. Knickers. And no underwear. She's not wearing underwear in that picture. Oh. I promise you. His fingers are probably tainted they in this photo. most definitely are. Oh, that's gross. I, I needed to see them. With a, oh, they're just so creepy. Yep. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm sure it did not take Caroline long to discover how freaking weird they were. Oh, Because they just not. look, they look weird. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. Weirdly, they asked Caroline, hey, you want to continue to be our nanny? What? After all of this. And Caroline's like, sure. What would she say? Right. No, please murder me. You just threatened to... Put me in the paving stones under Gloucester. Yeah. Um. So you think I'm going to say no to you at this point? Yeah, so it's, it's not going to work for me, guys. Sorry. This is what she does. 
she carries on the rest of the day on her nanny duties. She's cleaning their house. She's taking care of the kids. Oh my gosh. She sees her out. She like went to go do laundry and escaped and goes home. She returns home. She's too embarrassed to tell her mother what had happened, but her mom saw bruises. And she's like, uh, no, what is going on? She breaks down, tells her mom everything. They go to the police. They bring a case against them, okay? And now it's all, it's in the newspapers. Mm -hmm. The neighbors are saying, you know, carrying on. Fred and Rose are like, this, this is ridiculous. We fired her. Just all these allegations are false. Now, the case was tried at Gloucester Magistrates Court on January 12th, 1973. And by this date, Owens had decided that she could not face the ordeal of testifying in court. So all charges pertaining to her sexual abuse were dropped and the wet, the Wests agreed to plead guilty to the reduced charges of indecent assault and causing actual body harm, bodily harm. So they were fined 50 euros and the couple were allowed to walk free from court. No. When Caroline Owens heard that news, she attempted suicide. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. This poor girl. And I get it. I mean, you are so traumatized. How, why would you want to relive that in front of everybody in court? it's so hard. And how many times in this case has it happened? Oh my gosh. This is the third known time. They're probably so scared. Oh, definitely. So three months after the West's um, assault trial, the couple committed their first known murder. The victim was 19-year-old Linda Gow, with whom Fred and Rose had become acquainted with through a male lodger in early 1973. She was dating one of the lodgers that they had. Gow regularly visited Cromwell Street and engaged in affairs with two of the lodgers. On April 19th, she moved into their home on Cromwell Street and um, rented a bed sit from them. On or about April 20th, other tenants were told that she had been told to leave the household after she had hit one of the other children, when in reality... They had sexually abused her and murdered her. The story was Gao's mom goes to the West House and is like, where is my daughter? She, uh-huh. I know she was renting a room from you. And Rose was wearing one of Linda's sweaters. Because if they murdered one of their lodgers they and they had something that they liked, they, just they took kept it. their stuff. Oh, and just to add to all the rest of it. It does. And in one source, it says that she was wearing her slippers. and another, it says her sweater. And then in another, it says she was wearing an article. And then some of her clothes were hanging on the line. Either way of what the actual truth is, her mother went and talked to Rose and knew something was not right and recognized her clothing. Okay, so she knew that was her daughter's clothing. Yeah, what we do know from when Linda's body was found, she was dismembered, the jaw was, her jaw was completely wrapped in adhesive and surgical tape to silence her screams. There were two small tubes that had been likely inserted into her nasal cavities to allow breathing. Remember how I explained earlier they were really into like these bondage masks masks Mm -hmm. where you insert tubes for them to, that's how they breathe during it. There were long sections of string and sections of knotted fabric were also discovered with her remains. Gao had likely been suspended from holes carved into the wooden beams supporting the ceiling of the cellar that Fred later admitted that he had devised for the purpose of suspending his victim's bodies. Wow. And she likely died of either strangulation or suffocation. Her dismembered body was missing five um, cervical vertebrae. The palate and numerous phalange bones were buried beneath like the in the cellar she is one of them that was in the cellar that I was telling you about earlier can I ask because I don't remember um if this was mentioned or not so when he would 
I guess, initiate the sexual assault. And I mean, did he have a weapon with him? Because now that I've seen them, I'm like, how did they pull this off? Together. No, there's never any mention of a weapon. Because it's just, I mean, I'm gathering There's also the possibility that some of them were willing, like Linda, Linda was a friend of theirs. I mean, she had been there visiting boyfriend, her her mm-hmm. boyfriend, and then another man. Um, so that so maybe they just would like that it started off just a safely sexual thing, and then would escalate. Um, or the other thing is, you know, two against one. Yeah, or Even just threatening things. Or Rose maintains her innocence. One of the things, like all the cellar murders that happen, they figured that like the dismemberment I mean that's a gruesome bloody messy Mm -hmm. task oh my gosh they believe that would have also have happened in the cellar as well and there's no way that Rose with as controlling as she was and had tabs on her husband all the time how like his blood or his clothes would have been extremely bloody he would have for him to have cleaned up that mess and her to never know about it Mm -hmm. is highly highly unlikely for sure. I was just curious because it, I mean, when Mm-mm. I see them, I'm like, how did they pull this off? But then again, it was mostly young women, right? It was. It was yes. young, yep. vulnerable teenagers. Mm-hmm. And, that a man can overpower. And you, like you said, two against one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I was just curious because I see them and I'm like, how are they pulling this right. off? Right. From their later investigations, police and forensic experts dis- can kind of just deduce that all the victims that were found in the cellar at 25 Cromwell Street had been murdered in that location and dismembered there. There were five victims that were murdered and buried in the cellar between November 1973 and April 1975. The first of these victims was 15-year-old Carol Ann Cooper. She was abducted on November 10th, 1973. She actually lived in Pines Children's Home in Worcester, and was abducted after spending the evening at the cinema with her boyfriend. She had been waiting for a bus in Warden when she vanished, and she was likely forced into Fred's car. Her face was bound with surgical tape, and her um, arms were bound with braided cloth before she was driven to Cromwell Street. I see the Myra and Ian undertones here. Their abductions took place at bus stops a lot Mm -hmm. of the time, and um, transient individuals as well. Cooper was suspended from the wooden beams in the cellar before her abuse and murder, as had been the case with Linda. Uh, Carol Ann Cooper died from strangulation or asphyxiation before her body was dismembered and buried in the shallow cubicle grave in the cellar. Over the following 17 months, four further victims between the ages of 15 and 24 suffered a very similar fate endured by Linda Gow and Caroline Cooper. What they discovered from each grave is that with the things that were found with as, as each subsequent murder happened, they escalated. Their, oh, um, the paraphernalia okay. discovered with each shallow grave suggests that each person was subjected to greater abuse than the person that came oh, before wow. them. As we often see with serial killers, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1970, April 1975, 18-year-old Juanita Mott was murdered, and she was the, the last victim in the cellar, and that is when he covered the floor with concrete and moved his children, in 1975, moved his children into that room. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It's hard to wrap now, my brain is, around this it. This is what's weird. After Juanita Mott's murder in 1975, there are not, they are not known to have committed any further murders until May 1978, when Fred, either with or without Rose's partici- 
participation, but certainly with her knowledge, murdered eighteen year old an eighteen year old lodger named Shirley Robinson. Now Shirley had first met Rose at the Green Lantern Cafe in April 1977. Remember when I said that Fred and Rose's dad opened the Green Lantern Mm -hmm. and that it suspected that there was some shady stuff going on there and it went bankrupt? Mm -hmm. Well, Shirley Robinson met him there. She was down on her luck, needed a place to stay. And of course, Fred is like, I've got some rooms. So she immediately moves in there. She was heavily pregnant at the time of her murder. Although Rose, pregnant herself at the time, initially boasted to neighbors that the child Robinson was carrying was her husband's. She bragged to her neighbors that Shirley was pregnant with her husband's child. Wow. What yes. were the neighbors thinking when they heard that? Well, and more than likely she was pregnant with, with because Shirley entered a thruple relationship with Fred and Rose. Oh, she did. She did. Okay. A willing participant at first. You know that these neighbors around town had to have been like, well, Crumwell, we don't go by the West South. For sure. No. Even though Crumwall Street was a very seedy area, it was well known for drugs. Okay. For so there was work. already some stuff going on yep. in the area. That's part of the reason why they believe this stuff, these acts were able to be carried out because people do say later, yes, we did hear women screaming. Yes, we did hear things. The lodgers that are interviewed later that lived in the house at that time who didn't have anything to do with, they weren't a victim, they weren't a murderer, were like, yes, we did. But they chalked it up to, they knew Rose was- It's a high crime area. It is. And they knew Rose was a sex worker. So who's to say that it wasn't consensual when they're hearing women's screams? But also it's kind of like, I stay out of any, I stay out of your business, you stay out of my business. No one is really necessarily- living a clean life on that street. So that's a part of the problem too. Gotcha. Yes. Now, Robins, Shirley Robinson was more was carrying Freda's baby. She's bragging about it. But then it becomes a problem because Rose is starting to get jealous. She's also pregnant herself at this point in time. I mean, she's pregnant a lot. She had eight babies. She is pregnant a lot, yes. She soon has a deep resentment for her. And... It is believed, and it was presented in her prosecution, that Shirley was removed because simply because she was a threat, because she wanted Fred to marry her, to leave Rose and marry her, and oh, that just simply was not, not going to happen. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Her body was actually um, one of the first to be mar- to be buried in the garden of Twenty Wall Crum- Twenty Five Cromwell Street. It was extensively dismembered, but no restraining devices were found with these remains, making a sexual motive for the murder unlikely. Another reason why they believe that this was Rose needing to get rid of the threat of Shirley Robinson. Yeah, I had to look again just to process fully the man that they were fighting over. Mm. Like, I had to look again yeah, for no, just that, that reason. Yeah, that unruly clump of curly yep. hair on his head. And it really I'm is unruly. Fight. I'm not fighting anyone for that. I'm just, Mm-mm. that's why I pulled my phone up. I'm like, really? Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's not a man that you look at and say, I want to have his babies because we're going to create such beautiful babies together. I mean, no. genetically, that's just a bad idea. Yeah, ge- exactly. <laughs> Darwin would not be proud. No, he would not. No, no. So not at all. Unfortunately, the unborn baby had been removed and and there were several bones missing. 
Rose unsuccessfully submitted a claim for maternity benefit in Robinson's name with social services. Oh, yep. Let's bring Dorothea into this, too, because well, that's her. She also had done that with Charmaine and Linda. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. They're working all kinds of systems. I told you, they've got everything. They've got a little piece of all of everything. our people that we've They covered. sure do. This is, this is it. This is where the podcast should yeah. end because yeah, we've now we brought it nothing all. Else. We've brought it all full circle. No, nope, circle. Nope. You know what's missing? We need... The, the town of Skidmore, Missouri. That's right. To come to together. Come just take these people out. <laughs> Vigilante justice needs to happen. That's right. Um, and then we're done. And that's check, it. Check out that episode. And honestly, they kind of do come for her because. Oh, yay. Rose's, Rose's defense, or I mean, excuse me, prosecution is all circumstantial, but there's a lot. People wanted her head. The world wanted her head. I agree with that. I do Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. She is a horrible person. I mean, they both are. And the reason both of that them. it's circumstantial is because there's no one that could ever testify to say, I saw her do this. Rose, Rose bleh, Fred admits, Rose does not. So, in a way, people do come together to do that, Amber. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait. So... They so have gotten away with this for so long. They have. It's crazy to me. How long did you say the stretch was? Or did you not say yet? I haven't really okay. said I'll yet. I'll wait for it. It's 20 years that they get away with it. It feels like it's been that long. Yeah, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. Like, it feels like it's been, uh, that I've been hearing. But, it, I mean, I feel like from what I've been hearing. Yes. It's, that it's been years span, and years. It has. You're absolutely right. Now, the final murder that they are have are known to have committed with definite sexual motive occurred in August on August fifth, nineteen seventy nine. The now they supposedly the one we know of beginning was nineteen seventy two. So now we're in nineteen seventy nine for their their final one that we know of. But mm-hmm. I guys, I really just think this is because this is all the information we have. It's not it's not the whole story. Yeah. There's absolutely. more victims of Fred and Rose West. I would not doubt that for a second. And this is sixteen year old Allison Chambers. She had run away from a local children's home and became the West's live in nanny in the mid middle of nineteen seventy nine. Chambers is believed to have lived with their household for several weeks before her murder, and Rose promised Chambers that she could live at a rural, peaceful farm that she claimed her and her husband owned. That's how she, like, got her in. Like, I'm going to move you to the farm. Uh-huh. It's so nice out there. Nobody's going to bother you. You can just watch the kids play in a field all day. How majestic. Her body was also buried in the garden of Crumwall Street, close to the bathroom wall, and although Chambers was likely dismembered, her skeleton was not marked by um, marks that could confirm this, um, as the other bodies had been. To carry on that she was alive, Fred and Rose did write letters that were postmarked, you know, supposedly from her to her family, and then put them in a North Hampshire post box. So who does that sound like? Shelly Kotek. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We've got everybody wrapped into that. We really do. Now there is supposedly an eight-year stretch where they don't murder before the murder of Heather happens. And I just don't believe it, guys. I think they ran out of room to bury people at their house. Mm-hmm. They had the five people buried in the cellar. They had the people in the backyard, which Heather does end up in the backyard as well. And I I just believe that like they... like we got nowhere else to mm-hmm. go. And so I think that there's other places that bodies are possibly buried that we just don't know about because Fred never told. 
And you said there's, they targeted some of the transient people. So there could be Correct. people that were never reported, reported. missing mm-hmm. that we will never know. Correct. Yes. Wow. And young girls that were running runaways. Mm-hmm. They loved runaways. Kids that were in youth homes, you know, foster service, things like that, that were running away. So let's skip to May 1992. All right. Let's do it. And because I already told you about Heather's death yes. and the fact that they think there was an eight year cooling off period, which it's not unusual to see on cooling off periods for serial murderers. That's true. Eight years is a long time. I still stand by and the police, the police believe too, that there's likely more victims. But we, 1979 was the last known murder where they believe Fred and Rose did together. Aside from then eight years later, their daughter, Heather. Mm-hmm. So in May, 1992, Fred asks his 13-year-old daughter, Louise, to bring some bottles to a room on the first floor of their home. Rose was not present in the home at the time. And just after, the girl's siblings heard her scream, no, don't. Later, Fred returned downstairs. Louise was followed by her siblings, and she was withering in pain, sobbing that her father had raped and sodomized her. Oh, my goodness. And at one stage, strangling her. When Rose returned home, Louise confided in her mother what friend had done, and Rose replied, oh, well, you were asking for it. Oh, my gosh. Over the following weeks, Louise was raped on three, at least three further occasions, with Rose personally witnessing one of them before following her distressed and bleeding daughter into the bathroom and asking the child, well, what do you expect? Fred also filmed one of these. I can't with this man anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't. He filmed one of the rapes. And several weeks later, Louise garnered the courage to confide in a close friend what her father had done. The friend told her own mother what had happened on August 4th. In response, the friend's mother anonymously informed the police. I am so glad that she told. Well, on August 6, 1992, the police searched the West household as a pretext of searching for stolen property because they know Fred West real well. Yes, he's got some crimes. He's been in jail. Although numerous objects of sexual paraphernalia, including 99 pornographic videos of the that were both homemade and commercial in nature were discovered. Police did not find the video depicting the rape of his daughter. Oh, wow. Now, did they investigate the other videos at that time, or were they just like, man's a freak, but we don't know? We're going to get to that in a minute. Okay. The 13-year-old made a full statement through a specially trained solicitor, or lawyer, as we call them, describing her father's action. The fact the sexual abuse had begun when she was 11 and that her mother had been casually indifferent the whole time. All of the children in the household were placed in foster care the following day and medical examinations revealed evidence of physical and sexual abuse. The West children also divulged that their mother had inflicted most of the physical abuse and that their father frequently said that if they told anyone about the goings on in the household, they would be, quote, buried under the patio like their sister Heather. That's what he said. He sure did, over and over again. Police began a full-scale investigation, eventually leading to Fred being charged with three counts of rape and one of of burglary, and Rose as an accomplice. She was also charged with child cruelty and enticing her husband to engage in sex with their daughter and obstructing the police. The Wests were questioned as to the whereabouts of their eldest daughter through this investigation, And Fred claimed that Heather was alive and well and supporting herself via sex work. Rose initially claimed to have no knowledge of Heather's whereabouts or why she left home. 
Later, she changes her story on August 11th and says, oh, I can remember now. Um, I didn't, Heather was a lesbian and I didn't want my other kids to know that. So we told her she needed to stop or leave. And so she left. Mm, and it just slipped her mind momentarily. Yep. She also then is like, I also gave her 600 euros to leave the household. Something that, by the way, later she changes and Fred changes to 500. So there's oh. a lot of confliction in oh, the story. Yeah. Yeah. Another reason why we know she was there and a part of it. Like you would forget that significant piece mm-hmm. of um, events. Yep. Like, oh, oh my gosh, now I remember. So as Fred waited trial, he was held on remand in Birmingham, learning that her father had pled not guilty. He was denying all wrongdoing. Anna Marie went ahead and gave a full statement detailing her experiences as a child. So in a statement given to Detective Constable Hazel Savage, and yes, I said her name is Hazel Savage. I love it. It's badass. We'll get to her later, though. She she does the damn thing, but she later kind of gets taken down. But Uh-oh. Anna Marie recounted the extensive physical, mental, and sexual abuse that she'd endured as a child at the hands of her father and stepmother before agreeing to testify against both parents at their upcoming trial. Anna Marie also um, added that she had for several years been unsuccessfully attempting to trace her mother, Rena, and half-sisters, Charmaine and Heather. She's like, I've been trying to locate them, and I can't. So the case against the Wests collapsed when... Anna Marie and the and her 13-year-old half-sister Louise declined to testify at the court case on June 7, 1993, with the child rape victim expressing her desire to return to her family and Anna Marie choosing to withdraw her statement because of her noting the misery of her younger siblings and her fear of Rose's vindictiveness. Shortly thereafter, Anna Marie spoke with Detective Savage, further emphasizing that her mother Rena and her half-sister Charmaine are all are still missing so the case collapses and they go free oh my gosh now no i really thought we were like like all right we, we were got almost them. there we were almost we got there. Them. this was 1992 child makes a statement then recants her statement anna marie makes a statement then recants her statement because of what being in foster care was doing to the family and I the children it. i, I get it I here's the problem the 99 pornographic videos were destroyed. I'm sorry. I don't think I quite heard you. The 99 by police because the case was dropped. It is now believed that there is the possibility of the evidence of what happened to the murder victims on those 99 tapes that were destroyed. Well, it's been a lovely evening. I will... uh See yourself be, out of your own house. Yep, I'm going to be leaving my own home now. Tonight we're recording from Amber's house, so it's a totally different situation. Now you get how I feel. And I'm leaving my when own home. When you're traumatizing me in my own home and I can't go anywhere. I'm trapped. I get it. You're parked behind me. I can't leave. Right. Ah, why? Yeah. Why? I know. So this is the f- so at least the fourth time that a case is dropped against I mean, Fred West. was there something shady going on, or did they legit think like, oh, we don't need these old things? They legit had no case because they had no victim at that point. They had to drop it. But the kids, because of what the kids had said about the physical abuse and the evidence of the sexual abuse, the kids were not returned to them. So they stayed in foster care. Okay. They did not have a okay. criminal case anymore, but, but the, the kids, kids stayed in foster care. The younger four children stayed in foster care. So they were probably like, okay, there's enough. We know. Yeah. There's something. We know know they're not okay. 
Yes. We're going to burn these these tapes. But. Yes. We have to burn the evidence for the criminal trial. They burn the evidence for the criminal trial, but the social services is like, no, no, no. These parents are not fit. They're not going okay. back. Well, oh, they finally step up. Yeah. Okay. So they're not, they're not going back. Ugh. And you know what Rose does? Because May is an adult at this point in time. She's still like May and Steven, Anna Marie is like way out of the house, but mm-hmm. May and Steven, they have relationships. They're adults, but they're still living in the home. They're, May is like trying to be supportive of her mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. And realizes the other, the younger four kids, because they're in foster care and they really like don't want to return home. Rose is just like, they don't exist anymore. She stopped going to visits. Wow. They don't. So did Fred. Like they don't exist. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, though, is Detective Savage is like, something is not right here. That statement that the kids had told him about, you will end up under the patio like Heather, mm-hmm. okay, stuck with her. And she tried to get a search warrant in 1992, 93, and they didn't have enough evidence. They couldn't get a search warrant. Well, finally, Detective Savage stayed diligent on the case of I'm, I'm going to make a case out of the missing person of Heather West mm-hmm. and Charmaine and Rena. No one's heard from them. Yeah, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. This eerie statement that, the, that, the, that Fred keeps saying to the family, I'm going to look like, are they claiming Social Security benefits? Have they had a job? Have they filed taxes? Have they shown up anywhere? Have they changed their name? She can't find anything. She, she also figures out there is no missing persons reports. Mm-hmm. Like what is going on? Why would parents not file a missing persons report, but no one has heard from Heather except for Fred and Rose? Yeah. No. So finally, finally, finally someone gets it. Right. After presenting all that evidence in 1994, Hazel Savage, who at this point in time, Fred and Rose have a serious hatred for Hazel Savage. Okay, because she's on their yeah. ass and they know it. Mm-hmm. And so they are, they're constantly trying to discredit her, call oh, her all kinds sure. of names. Everything is is rubbish. This is just not, not okay. <laughs> Absolute rubbish. Rubbish. So although they were acquitted of all charges and all their younger children remained in foster care, their family had all but like stopped contact with them at this point in time. They're like, wait a second. You had charges against from Caroline Owen. Now your kids are saying yeah. this. We know something's not right. Like it's it is we're, now we're them. Done. It's now them against yeah. the world. Thank you, fam. Their family is not involved. Mm-hmm. I, um, I do not blame them. Mm-hmm. I feel like anybody reasonable would take the statement that the children, you know, because they all said that their father had said that to them mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. being buried. Kids. Yeah, yeah. And then the children missing, like. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't think, hmm, maybe yep. we should check this out. Maybe we do. And Hazel did. Hazel's like, I'm not dropping this. Like, fine, I can't get them on the rape charges on their kid, but but I'm not dropping this. And she doesn't. February 24th, uh, 1994, they show up with a search warrant. Finally. Mm-hmm. Rose turns pale, disco- became hysterical, was shouting over her shoulder to her eldest son, oh. Stephen, to get Fred. What now, Rose? Mm-hmm. What now? Fred didn't show up for like six hours. Oh, you he don't was say. 40, he was 45 <laughs> minutes away. He didn't show up for like six hours, you guy. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. No. Did they have phones then? Like, oh, yeah. It's 1994. Know? He had a big old the yellow big cell, okay. cell phone. That's okay. actually what May's like, book says. It was a big yellow cell phone okay. that Stephen was reaching him on. Gotcha. So <laughs> he he's just doing some errands for six hours that day. Sure was. Knowing that the police had a search warrant for the house and specifically the under the back patio. Oh. Now, initially, I'll tell you, in 1992, when Hazel wanted to go digging back there, the police force was actually really scared that if they didn't find anything, because they knew the type of people Fred and Rose were, they would sue the department for all the damages to their house. Because this is essentially destroying their back patio and yard. Right, Mm -hmm. right. So they needed needed a good reason to go digging. This was taking a big chance. Yes. I mean... I mean, it I was. think all signs pointed to. Right. But, you know, but being on the outside of it and yeah, piecing like, all this together, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Like, show me some more evidence and then we can get this warrant. But just there's just kids saying he used to threaten us with, you know, I'll bury you under the back patio like Heather. We need a little bit more. And when you can, then once you can't find anything that this child has been living since that date that she went missing. Okay, now yeah. now maybe we can justify the damage that we're going to do financially to your property. This has got another Dorothea Puente undertone oh, to it. Oh, yeah, the backyard. Time to get the backyard uh, <laughs> excavated. <dig>. Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. Time to dig. Despite Fred's insistence in his statement that Heather had been alive and well, and he, you know, constantly claimed she was involved in drugs and, and sex work and things like that, the, the claim that he would tell the family that she was buried under the patio was complete, quote, rubbish. They took the evening to go ahead and search through the premises, and they started excavating the site. Um, they did not arrest anyone. They're just searching at this mm-hmm. point in time. So Doing a little Fred searching. And Rose, Fred and Rose have time to be alone together during this time and talked, okay? Which is where I believe that they came up with Fred was going to take the rap for this. Mm. Rose is going to deny all of it. Fred's going to take the rap. Mm -hmm. In the early hours of the following morning, Fred informed Stephen, look, son, look after your mom and sell the house. I've done something really bad. I want you to go to the papers and make as much money as you can. Shortly after, police returned to Cromwell Street to continue their search for Heather's body. Upon their arrival, Fred indicated his wish to be arrested for Heather's murder and to be taken to the police station to provide a full confession and he was then arrested and formally charged. Yay. Yes. At 11.15 that morning, he formally admitted to police that he had indeed killed his daughter, albeit in an act of manslaughter. He didn't mean to do it. He confessed to strangling Heather in front of, in a fit of rage, then dismembering her body in the ground floor bathroom with a heavy serrated knife he normally used for cutting slabs of frozen meat. Her remains had been stored in a dustbin as he waited for an opportunity to dig a grave. Fred was insistent that his wife had no knowledge of her daughter's murder, claiming he had committed this murder and Rose was preoccupied with one of her clients. But then in another story, Rose was completely out of the house for groceries. Mm. And then he added the fact that the search team had yet had not yet unearthed Heather's remains because they'd been excavating in the wrong section of the garden. He then volunteered to accompany the police to the house to pinpoint the precise location of Heather's body. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he, after he was busted, he just, he confessed. Listen, I told you, there, Fred and Rose had a moment where they could be alone, alone together. And this is where I think that they decided they know they're digging because they're digging but and she's they're still... going to find bodies. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be Heather's body. 
necessarily that they find right away because they're not digging in the right spot for Heather. Did she have so that much find, of a hold over him? I think so. I I, I believe that too because yeah. it's just, it's I'll, amazing he would just take the rap. For I'll, I'll get in a minute why I think that. So the following day, February 26th, the police began excavating in the section of the garden at Cromwell Street where Fred indicated that he had buried his daughter's body. Shortly after four, police found a human thigh bone protruding, protruding from a section of the garden that he had insisted police not look need to look in because there was no, Heather wasn't over there. You don't need to look over there. Come look over here. They found Heather, and then they started finding other bodies oh, as well. Oh, so he, he confessed to Heather, but he didn't want to Correct. tell about everything. He knew they were else. there for Heather. Yeah. So he was going to admit to I Heather. Come this way. Correct. They excavated the whole damn thing, and they found all the bodies. That evening, he'd been formally charged with his daughter's murder in question as to why police had also discovered a third thigh bone. Like, hey, unless she had three legs, right. we have more victims. I don't mean to laugh, but like, seriously. It's right, exactly. That's actually literally a quote that the police officer said. Oh, wow. Unless Heather had three legs, we have another victim. Was Fred, was Fred like, she had three legs. <laughs> I got I nothing. to do here. <laughs> Fred confessed that there were two further sets of human remains in his garden and agreed to return to Crumwall Street to reveal the location of both the graves. One of whom was Shirley Robinson, who he described as being a former tenant and a lesbian who had been heavily pregnant with his child at the time of her 1978 murder. The other victim was described incorrectly as Shirley's mate, but either he could not or would not elaborate onto her identity. Both sets of, her re- of the remains were discovered on December February on February twenty eighth. Excuse me. And Fred was charged with both murders two days later. They play this lesbian card a lot. Oh yeah, like that's the reason. And isn't that funny? Because Rose was bisexual, right? Actively bisexual, and Fred enjoyed watching it. So stop. Being Even a though human he didn't contradiction. Yeah, he didn't agree with it, but he loved to watch mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often find a lot of people like that, though. Like, not that I necessarily know what their sexual prowess is. It's just that they'll make comments about women like, oh, I'm, you know, oh, do you want to make out? Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, like, like oh, how dare you? But then go watch it, right. you know, watch something behind closed doors. Yeah, I get it. I don't know. People so, are dumb. Question further. Fred explains that there were further five bodies buried in his cellar and the sixth body beneath the ground floor bathroom. Most of these victims Fred claimed had been hitchhikers or girls that he murdered in the 70s after picking them up at bus stops. Initially, Fred claimed these six victims had been killed when they had threatened to inform Rose of his infidelity with women and that he had transported their bodies to Crumwall Street to abuse, dismember, and then bury in shallow graves. So the dismemberment, Fred claimed, had made it easier to bury the remains in a shallow cubicle grave, and then he agreed to return to Crumwell Street to indicate precisely where the the victims had been buried. But the thing is, is that dismemberment takes so much effort and so much time, it doesn't make anything easier Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Your claim that that's the only reason you did it is false, sir. You enjoyed it. You got gratification from dismemberment. There had to have been some kind of enjoyment there. Because digging a, a you know, the grave of the length of someone's body is a lot easier than dismembering someone's body and then just great digging a small mm-hmm. square. 
I mean, I guess in some sense it might take up less space. I get that, but it's like it's so, so he can have more victims, right? So we could have more victims, like, maybe. Either but, way, he enjoyed dismembering. But it's so brutal, and mm-hmm. like you said, so much extra effort to to take that horrific act that there had to have been some enjoyment. Yep. in it most definitely. So I'm between just, oh, sorry, I'm just amazed at how it's like once the cat was out of the bag, he's like, and here it is, and here it is, yep, I did and it. word vomit, and I'm gonna keep. Even though it sounds like there were some lies still to some extent. There were, most definitely. And I think that he kind of just knew, like, the jig is up. Because Charmaine and Rena weren't buried at 25 Cromwell Street, but they're the highlight of these people are missing. And Mm -hmm. now we've got the murder, you know, we've got the victims in your backyard, so we know you murdered them. Also, Anna McFall. Uh, um, So when they finally got busted, how long had Charmaine... Because she was the first one, right? Nope. Anna McFall was the first one. Okay. So mm-hmm. how long had Anna been buried and missing? 24 years. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. That is so crazy. Yep. And you, like you had mentioned, her family never Mm-mm. went looking no for one her. Went, yeah. No one filed wow. anything. Yeah. Wow. So between March 5th and 8th, police found six further bodies of young females at 25 Cromwell Street. Each, each victim had been extensively mutilated, and each body bore evidence of having been subjected to extreme sexual abuse prior to the act of murder. For example, the third set of remains discovered in the cellar was found to have a length of cloth wrapped around the skull and an oval of adhesive tape 16 inches in circumference found with the remains, which had likely been used to gag, like a ball gag, uh-huh. essentially. Ankles and wrists were bound with large section of rope. Uh, there was certain large serrated knives. The second set of remains was found with a section of tubing twisted in a U shape um, that had been alongside sev- alongside several limbs. And her skull was found encased in adhesive tape, which had been wrapped around the section where her face or where her face would have been eleven or twelve times, with a narrow plastic tube inserted where the nasal cavities had been in an effort to allow her to breathe prior to being murdered. Each set of remains was missing numerous bones, particularly fingers, when questioned. Fred reviews, refused to divulge the whereabouts of the bones or the reason for their absence. He would not do it, which is why some people are like cannibalism. They think the bones were flushed on the toilet and that he had Ew. had himself some... I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised at this point because they have mm-hmm. done everything, mm-hmm. every disgusting thing that you could think of. So despite Fred constantly insisting that Rose had no nothing to do with the murders. She was arrested on April 20th, 1994, and it was related to the rape of an 11-year-old girl and the physical assault of an 8-year-old boy. Both charges were dating from the mid-1970s. Okay, people coming forward. Oh, wow. The media is everywhere. So this, this case is what exploded, and then mm-hmm. people were like, you know what, maybe yep. I can share my... Yep, exactly. So like you said... There were probably so many victims, yes, dead exactly. or alive, that yep. maybe were too scared to say something. Now, formal charges were brought forward, and after after both of their arrests, and this whole time, I do want to point out, May points out in her book that she doesn't want to believe that her mom was involved in any of this. And the whole time that they they were actually moved, once bodies were started to be found, and they couldn't live at 25 Cromwell Street, it's a crime scene. So they yeah. were moved into like protective custody of the police in like a safe house. 
So Stephen and May are with their mom and she writes about those times. And the whole time Rose is carrying on about what a fucker Fred West is, how he ruined her life, how innocent she is. She had no idea. He murdered their daughter. How dare he? And they believe it. Yeah. uh, The kids believe it. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah. You can't fathom that your mother is involved in any of this. When he's admitting and the police at this point in time, I mean, the police are keeping things close to the chest. So the police are telling them, okay, he admitted to another murder. Mm -hmm. Okay. He admitted to another murder. We found that victim. We found that victim. So it's like from their perspective, dad saying he did it. Yes. And mom saying she had no idea. And we have no evidence that says mom was there. Dad saying mom didn't know anything. Mm Mm-hmm. So formal charges are brought forward, and this is like a turning point. They bring them in together. Rose will not look at Fred. Fred is looking at Rose. Fred reaches out to touch Rose, and Rose literally cringes and moves away from him. This is the first time they had seen each other since the arrest in February. Uh huh. She's starting to believe her own lies. Like, oh, yes, he's most definitely. Yep. Now, immediately after that court appearance, Fred is rearrested on suspicion for murdering Anne Marie and McFall, whose body had been found on June 7th, but had not been identified yet. Now, this is what's really horrible, as I won't go into tons of detail because you can find it in the books, but they had to reconstruct the skeletons and use some new technology to be able to um, take pictures of missing women in that are were around that area mm-hmm. at the time and basically like superimpose them over the skeleton remains to positively identify and for the women who didn't have dental records oh wow okay and then families could be informed and they could confirm mm-hmm. okay yes you know that's how they were able to identify victims it was a long process it took it took a while so Fred went Stephen and Anne, Anne Mar- Anna Marie are the only two that are visiting him when he is awaiting trial. Okay. Uh, they call it on remand. Mm-hmm. So he's awaiting trial and he is like pleading with them. Please tell your mother how much I love her. And Rose is just like not having it. Like she's got her game. I mean, they've got their, their game set. I, you know. I'm the only one that's going to be able to carry on. The family was like very important to them. Close-knit family. Remember when I told you about Fred's childhood and how you other, they could fuck with each other, but you, nobody else can. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. And I believe that they had, and I'm not the only, I mean, just through the research, a lot of people believe they had this, this plan that Rose, he would take the rap and Rose would carry on the family for them. This note is found in later in Fred West's cell. To Rose West, Stephen May. Well, Rose, it's your birthday on November 29th, 1994. And you'll be 41 and still beautiful and still lovely. And I love you. We will always be in love. The most wonderful thing in my life was when I met you. Our love is special to us. So love, keep your promises to me. You know what they are. Where we are put together forever and ever is up to you. We loved Heather, both of us. I would... Love Charmaine to be with Heather and Rena. You will always be Mrs. West all over the world. That's important to me and to you. I haven't got you a present, but all I have is my life. I will give it to you, my darling. When you are ready, come to me. I will be waiting for you. And that is Fred West's suicide note. Oh my gosh. So he commits suicide. On January 1st. 1995, Fred West asphyxiated himself in his cell by wrapping an 
a, like a rope, an improvised rope that he made out of bed sheets from a, actually a blanket and some of the clothing that he was wearing, excuse me, from prison laundry bags around his neck. And then he actually, if you can picture this, there's like a, a vent in his cell. So he tied it around the, um, the grates of the vent uh-huh. and tied it around his neck and hung himself. And it would not have been immediate or easy at all. He definitely suffered, suffered. extensively and it took a long time. Oh, wow. He planned it carefully from when he got his New, York, New Year's Day um, meal of soup and pork chops. And so he took it back to his cell and he knew he'd have an hour before the guards would come back. Oh, so it was definitely pre-planned. Yep, and that's and that's when he did it. And at the bottom of the suicide note found in his cell was a drawing of a gravestone within which there was written, quote, in loving memory, Fred West and Rose West, rest in peace where no shadow falls. In perfect peace, he waits for Rose, his wife, end quote. That was the, the drawing and what was on the gravestone. Blah, blah, blah. You're a horrible person. So he never faces trial. Because yeah. he committed suicide. That is so crazy to me. Rose, tr- Rose's attorneys try to get the case against her completely dropped after his suicide because mm-hmm. they're like, he admitted. Like, he admitted. And, and now he he's didn't gone. Go through, right. And now he's gone. He didn't go through trial. Like, we have nothing implicating Rose. With the exception of there are times when he recants and he completely implicates Rose. Oh, For okay. Heather and for Charmaine. Mm-hmm. For those two. So it's like, you know, he goes, he goes back and forth. And then in, in her trial, they do just play the parts of his statements where he constantly says, Rose didn't know anything about this. Like he's almost overcompensating with Rose didn't know anything about this. Rose didn't know anything about this. Yeah. Again, I think this was all pre-planned. It sounds very much so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rose pleads not guilty to the 10 charges of murder. Of course so she does. The murder of Charmaine West was added to the original nine after Fred's suicide, okay, because she was she was charged with two counts of rape and an indecent assault of young girls before they actually, like, brought her up on charges for murder. Initially, just so you know, there are 12 victims total of Fred and Rose West's. There's some discrepancy of who was actually Fred's and who was actually Rose's. Yeah. But we do know two of them happened before... He even knew, I'm sorry, Anna McFall happened before he even knew Rose. Uh huh. So that one is undoubtedly not anything to do with Rose. So, what the big ordeal was, was is it okay for the, like, their case, the state's case against Rose was technically all circumstantial because they didn't have anybody to say, I witnessed this and she wasn't admitting anything. So if you think about it, everything is circumstantial. Like, here's our evidence. They didn't have any DNA evidence. They had nothing aside from the occasional ramblings of Fred West, who then would later recant. Mm -hmm. And they had what they had was victims like Anna Marie and Caroline Owens and the children to point out her sexual sadism and her her child abuse. Mm -hmm. They were able to use her care like basically character witnesses to say she's a horrible person so helping him with these murders isn't a gigantic leap to think that Mm -hmm. she could do Mm -hmm. now did the children ever come forward 
and testify against her or Anna Marie they were held in they were sequestered Anna Marie did she was an adult so she took a part she took part May didn't ever have to come she was actually going to testify in her mom's defense oh wow yeah she didn't ever have to though because something interesting happens Stephen went off and signed a contract like immediately with the press for money for rights to the story so like if anything breaks in the case I have to tell you and I can't tell any other news Mm -hmm. outlet okay now May was living with her mom in that safe house and when they came and arrested her mother they were like sorry love you're we have no reason to protect you anymore you have to go find she had to go live in public housing she had no she was homeless wow so she also signed a contract and so that's why they actually didn't end up calling her for defense because they were afraid the prosecution would be like, and she was paid for the, her story. So how can we believe her? Which actually happens with every, almost every single person that ends up testifying for the prosecution. Caroline Oman, Owens signed a contract to sell her story. But it didn't deter the jury because... okay it's her story Mm -hmm. just because she signed a contract to tell her story to a public you know a publication company does not mean that it didn't happen right right so the jury didn't care that even though the defense was trying to say hey she you know she was she's getting money for that but unfortunately detective savage also signed a contract for rights to the story from her point of view as a detective and she was seriously reprimanded and like kicked off the force for oh, it. She wow. was about to retire and everything. And she was given a whole bunch of honors for her diligence in this case. And then ends up basically having a fall from grace. Oh, that sucks. Because she acted inappropriately by signing a big contract to sell this story from her perspective. Oh. I know. Man. I know. So that stinks. Right. Same thing happened with, do you remember the neighbor that I told you about when Charmaine and Anna Marie were really young and they walked in and saw Charmaine tied up and standing on a chair and being beaten? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, she did testify against Rose West and the prosecution or the defense brought up the fact that she also had signed a contract for money. So this happened a lot, but it's not unusual. Like they're, Okay, they're going to get some financial gain. They're victims, like whatever, they're going to get financial gain. It didn't make a difference to the jury, okay? The jury still found her guilty on all counts. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. And so Fred and Rose West are known to have committed at least 12 murders between 1967 and 1987. Many of those connected to the case believe that there are several other victims whose bodies have never been found. Prior to his suicide, police had recorded over 108 hours of tape-recorded interviews with Fred, both when he had claimed to have acted alone in the commission of the murders and when he had attempted to portray Rose as being a more culpable participant. On several occasions, Fred made cryptic hints that he had claimed several other victims but refused to divulge any further information beyond that he had murdered 15-year-old Mary Bathstom in 1968 and buried her body on farmland near Bishop's Cleave, one of the four that I told you about. Mm -hmm. And actually, there's an article on it just in 2021, again, where it's brought up that it is very, it is believed that Mary Bathstom who disappeared in 1968, was a victim of Fred West. He had claimed it, but there was like no No. other evidence. They never found her body. Oh, I see. So that's the only victim 
who he admitted to, but they couldn't find the remains of. So he claims that while he was working on a construction project in Birmingham, there were other bodies buried in Scotland and Herefordshire. So they are pretty sure they never will probably ever know how many. Correct. Yep. Yep. And find them all. And Rose West, after the testimony of that I've been telling you about through all of this case, the testimony of Anne, Anna Marie, the testimony of the neighbor, the testimony of Caroline Owens, it was allowed by the judge to have all the victims of their sexual abuse, also just people, lodgers. Mm-hmm. They had former lodgers who knew of her sexual sadist behavior knew of of the child abuse, what went on in the home. They allowed, the judge did allow all of that to come into evidence as basically her against her character. Mm -hmm. You know, she is capable because the victims that they found, it was very obvious that they had been sadistically sexually assaulted prior to their murder. Mm -hmm. So in the eyes of England, being present and being a part of it, even if you weren't the one who physically carried out the actual murder, you're still guilty. Yeah. I, and absolutely. so they were able to to um, get her on all 10 counts of murder. And she's put away for life, no possibility of parole. Yay. Right. I don't, I don't doubt that she participated or even completed some of them. I agree. I really don't. I agree. I mean. Or even that it was her idea. Mm-hmm. You know, Shirley, the, um, Shirley, oh, she needed to go. She was pregnant with oh, Fred's baby. Yeah. Yeah, yep. and wanted to marry Fred. You no. Know, and she I had feel to go. like there was enough there for the greater good that I think the jury knew. Yeah. That. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, even if you some don't of need it, the DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. But to people like May, she's like, but wait, who do I believe? Because because May was sequestered, she couldn't sit through the trial. So for a long time, for ten years, as a matter of fact, May sat by her mother's side visiting her in prison and believing her to be innocent. It wasn't until she sought some therapy and she started to put some pieces together. I mean, her mom and initially kind of acted like prison life wasn't all that bad. She had made friends with Myra Henley. Ugh, yuck. Mm-hmm. Her letters were only just a little bit about May's life and in- inquiring about May's life. And then the rest of them were all about what May should be doing for her, giving her money on her commissaries, bringing her clothes, bringing her this, bringing her that. Because she was like a high profile type, like the the way they code them, she was the worst of the worst yeah. type of killer. And she is the worst so of the worst. She's, she's like isolated and has different provisions. Like for in one prison that she was in, she could wear her own clothes, but she isn't in like mainstream general public, you know, population at all because she need to be on extra high security she could like do all kinds of like crafts and reading and all of this stuff so may is just like she she's just every one of our visits is talking about her mm-hmm. and what the gossip is of the prison life and she had at one point in time fallen in love with a rock star and thought the because the rock star wrote her and thought they were going to get married and just living this complete fantasy life and It took a long time for May to figure out that maybe her mom was guilty. And when she started, about 10 years later, she starts really like telling her mom off essentially because her mom started giving her parenting advice as she started having kids. And she's just basically like, 
Who are you to give me oh, parenting wow. advice? Are you kidding me? You should read some of the, like when you read that book, some of the letters is just like, I can't believe you have the audacity to write that to your daughter after what you've done and what she knows of the abuse. Forget about the murders, but like she lived it and she knows yeah. of the sexual abuse and the, and in she later talked to Anna Marie and learned of the sexual abuse and was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea her bedroom was in the regular main part of the house, mine was in the cellar. I didn't know. Uh huh. You know. Um, so then did she end up hating her mother? Well, what happens is she calls her mom out. Her mom writes her this letter, like saying, well, my intention wasn't to give you parenting advice, yada, yada. So Heather writes her back, like, okay, I'm going to drop it. I'm just going to send her a normal letter. Rose cut her off. She never wrote her again. Wow. After she confronted her. Rose never wrote her again, but Rose did make a statement when she was um, on remand. So she was waiting her trial. She told Heather that if she was found guilty, she was going to cut herself off from all of the kids because they shouldn't have to live like with this hanging over them. And Heather or May was like, you know, no, don't, you know, don't do that. I need my mom. I need that. And so I don't know. I, I really believe it's because she started calling her out. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't want to face that yeah no so she's just bam we're done at this point in time in prison the only person on the guest list for rose west is anna marie west oh which my isn't gosh. that crazy and that may is. may even writes like how it must have been so awful to have her as a stepmother like it was awful enough to have her as a mom growing up but as a stepmom and now she's the only one who visits her that is on believable and And she does visit she does and you can read in may's book about the fallout there was some fallout with some of her siblings i'll get to the aftermath later but i wouldn't do it justice to tell those parts of the story there it's it's deep there's one point in time where may uh and their sister tara sends a picture of tara louise and may together against Luis's wishes and Luis does not talk to them her for many 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 years until they run into each other in the supermarket and like the kid what these kids live through having the west as their last name is horrible the fallout on these poor children having to live with the their country and the world knowing of the intimate details and sexual depravity of their parents and the murders is awful for them. I can't imagine. They struggle with relationships. They struggle to get jobs. There's times where May had a wonderful job and then someone found out who she was and she got fired. Oh, that's terrible. Just for being a child, a victim herself. Yeah, she was a victim. She had no, I mean, Mm -hmm. what? So I just, for the sake of their victims, I do want to go through, I'm going to go through them for you and with their timeline to wrap this all up neatly. So in 1967, Anne McFall was 18. Her remains were found on June 7th, 1994 in Finger Post Field in Muchmarkle. 1968, January 6th, this is Mary Bathstam that they believe. They have already added that as they're pretty dang sure. Okay. She was 15. She was a waitress um, at a cafe that Fred frequented. Um, She was abducted from a bus stop in Bristol, Gloucester. Fred confessed to police to killing Bastom after raving her in his car. She is believed to have been buried in Bishop's Cleave, but police are unable to um, charge Fred with this crime as they have no evidence and her body's never been found. 1971. So he started that we know of in 1967. Mm-hmm. 1971, June 20th, Charmaine West. Uh, you know the story behind that. No, we're not really sure. In August, so that was June, and in August was Rena. 
her mother. Mm -hmm. 1977, April 20th, Linda Gao. The first sexually motivated killing the Wests are known to have committed together. November 10th, same year, 1973, Carol Ann Cooper. She was 15. And um, December 27th, 1973, Lucy Partington. Oh, sorry. She was a student, and she was abducted from a bus stop along the A435. Her precise date of death may have been one week after her disappearance, as Fred admitted um, himself into the casualty unit with a serious laceration to his right hand on January 3rd. So they think that that was possibly happening, possibly happened while he was dismembering Partington's body. Oh my gosh. So they're like, okay, she, you know, somewhere within this week. Yeah. After December, between December 27th and January 3rd. 1974, April 16th, uh, Therese Segenthar. And I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. She was a sociology student. She was abducted by the Wests as she hitchhiked from South London to Holyhead. And Fred mistook her Swiss accent to be Dutch. So when he admitted to killing her, he kept calling her the Dutch girl. And she was reported missing to Scotland Yard by her family in Switzerland when communication from their daughter ceased. She was actually found... um, in a false chimney that Fred had built in the house. That's where she was concealed oh, wow. in. November 15th, 1974, Shirley Hubbard. And she was a foster child abducted from a bus stop as well. 1975, April 12th, Juanita Mott. Mott was a former lodger at the West's house. 1978, uh, May 10th, Shirley Robinson. She was 18, also a for a uh, Lodger, she's the one that became pregnant with Rose, with uh, Fred's baby. August 5th, 1979, Allison Chambers. She was 16. She was also placed in foster care and had absconded from the home. Fred claimed later to his uh, lawyer that Chambers had died as a result of Rose becoming too bloody vicious with her. Her dismembered body, missing several bones, and with a leather belt looped beneath her jaw and tied at the top of her head, was buried in the garden. 1987, June 19th, Heather West. So from 79 to 87, they have no recorded evidence or killings. Hmm. Yes. Now, in May 2021, police announced their intentions to excavate the grounds of the cafe in Gloucester after receiving information that the body of Mary uh, Bathstone may have been buried in that location. The search yielded no human remains, at the time of her disappearance, Batham worked at this cafe, and Fred is known to have frequented the premises. Furthermore, it is known he is known to have conducted repair work on the drains of this cafe in late 1967. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, no forensic evidence linked Fred to the murder of Anne McFall, and he always denied killing her. However, her body had been extensively dismembered and was missing several finger bones. Furthermore, the cubic dimensions of the grave in which her body um, was buried, matched all of Fred's later murders. There's that. I'll, I'll give you this story just because it tells you a little bit about how hard it is to be a child victim of something like this. No one, when Fred committed suicide, no funeral home would take his remains. Oh, wow. His remains rem- like were in the morgue for months and months. Finally, through lawyers, May and Stephen were able to get someone to take the remains to a crematorium, essentially, have a pastor there that would 
um, say a couple of words and they had to take the remains right away. And actually, and I apologize, it wasn't through a lawyer. It was through the media outlet that they had signed the contract with. We're able to pull some strings and get this done so that they could have exclusive rights to the story of his burial. Well, it ended up getting leaked. They had to rush in through a mob of like press to even get him cremated and to have somebody there just to say a few words who basically was just like, yeah, let us not forget all the other victims that were a part of this tragedy as well. Handed the remains to May. They were still warm. Yucky. Yeah. And then later and later, Anne-Marie says, said that she wanted to like see the remains, you know, have some of them, whatever. She stole them from Stephen and... They have no idea what she did to them, but some sources say that actually she has, Anna Marie has later later spoken out that she spread them where he used to like to spend time as a child. I don't even so, know if he was worth that, but yes, but I get it. It's their, it's, I mean, now, they're the children in the case. You so. may also want to know that, uh, you know, Rose did try to appeal. Appeals have went nowhere, just so you know. Uh, I just don't want to, I like, don't want to waste any more time on her. I'm like, blah, 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 Rose. I would hope that no appeals ever Mm -hmm. go anywhere. The West house in Cromwell was demolished with every piece of debris destroyed to discourage potential souvenir hunters. In 1999, Anna Marie attempted suicide by drowning herself in the river Severn. She did not succeed. Hopefully she got treatment. Stephen West is also known to have made an unsuccessful suicide attempt in 2002 to by attempting to hang himself. In 2004, he was jailed for nine months for having an on, having unlawful sex with a 14-year-old girl on multiple occasions. And the couple's youngest son, who I have not mentioned his name yet, and I won't at this point in time because he took his own life via a suspected drug overdose in October 2020 at the age of 40. This is so sad. Look at what they did. Yep. He is known to have battled a drug addiction and psychiatric problems as a result of the abuse that he witnessed and endured as a child. Absolutely. He did come forward later and say that he was actually there when his father and mother killed Heather. Oh, wow. Yep. So he actually saw it. That was in 2004. He claimed to have witnessed the murder. Mm -hmm. Um, He was seven at the time and said that Fred and Rose had restrained, then sexually and physically and physically abused her before Rose had repeatedly stomped upon her head until she stopped moving. Oh, my gosh. So that's what the youngest and child said. I saw that at seven. At seven. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I could tell by the way May, I know his name. You can find it if you want to. But the way May's book was written, and that was just written in 2018, I don't think that they really want their names out there. And now knowing in 2020, this child committed suicide at the age of 40. I'm just going to leave it where it's not for me to say, to, yeah. to give his name. Yeah. Also, May does make reference to her falling out with Stephen. And she says in the book very tactfully that their falling out is not appropriate for her to discuss in those pages. And that was his being jailed for nine months for having unlawful sex with a 14-year-old. I see. And I appreciated her tactfulness mm-hmm. in not bringing that into her book. On May, um, she has two children. She's married to a wonderful man. She is happy. She Good. She struggled with some relationships, as you can read about in her book, but uh, she's doing very well. That, that makes me happy to hear. Yep. She misses her sister, Heather, daily. She does not have a relationship with Anna Marie. 
Now, is that because Anna Marie still sees Rose? Yes, because she learned she cannot have any ties with Rose psychologically for mm-hmm. her. It I get is it. better. Mm-hmm. Yep. She is very close with Tara and Luis. They see each other frequently. Honestly, I think the only way you could find peace with all of this was is to not have a relationship with someone who has a relationship with your perpetrator. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would just be a reminder. Yes. Well, and for a long time, Luis didn't have a relationship with with them because of that. And rightfully so. It's like if you want a, a chance at all at some kind of happiness in your life and to try to put all of that aside, how, how could ties. you? Yeah, yep. you, you couldn't keep yep. those ties. And no she, way. Through therapy, it helped her really see. That she had to do that. Yes, and that her mom was lying and her mom was a part of this all along. It's just, it was, took her a while for, to wrap her brain around Oh, I, I can't imagine. Yep. I mean, and I, I don't even, I mean, I understand her wanting to believe Rose was innocent. Uh, yes, definitely. Because it, I mean, it's hard to fathom your parents committing murder, and no matter how want, shitty they are. Yeah, you would want to believe yeah, that, that they're innocent. That they were Absolutely. innocent. And she's still alive today, by the way, if anybody gives a shit, we don't. I really don't. We but. don't. No one cares. But yeah, she's still alive. So I'm going to end a quote from May because I think it's really profound and fitting and that I should end from one of their child victims rather than from like an investigative reporter, right? So here it is, quote, I know the abused can become abusers, and in my parents' case, that was true. However, I strongly believe that this doesn't have to be the case. The cycle can be broken. My own children have grown up free of terrible consequences of physical or sexual abuse, They have grown up in a secure environment of love. I feel confident that this will also be the case when my own children become parents. End quote. I love that. Isn't that that great? Yeah. And now I'm going to cry before I give us a brain bath. You better have like the most delicious brain bath that I've ever heard after that doozy. (laughs) I I just don't know that there's one that exists that is enough to clean us. Yeah. What I found was a a meet the parents sort of funny brain bath. This one, I just think it's funny because I do wonder how many times this happens. I'll do too. I bet it happens more than we think, okay? This is from reddit.com. My father was born in Belgium. He came to the U.S., got married, and brought his new wife, who turns out to be this person's mother, okay? back to meet his family. She did not speak Flemish, and they did not speak English. So my dad had to do all the translating. And this is where I'm like, you know, this like is for end me, badly. because I am this type of person, I would have so much fun with that. If oh, I was a translator, yes. oh gosh, yes. In situations <laughs> like this. So she's like, he told my mother that it was a Flemish custom that new members of the family always had to stand up when they spoke. My mother spent the entire visit standing up every <laughs> time that she had something to say. Eventually, my dad's family asked him why his new wife stood up whenever she talked. I don't know, he told them. It's oh an my a- gosh, dad is feisty. It's an American thing. <laughs> <laughs> My mother didn't learn the truth for almost 20 years. Oh my gosh. That is so funny though, that he, he had to have been getting so much amusement from Absolutely, this. Because you know, it must be awful to have to translate. Oh like yeah. What, how boring is it? First of all, sometimes it can be boring to listen to other people's conversations. I mean, except for you guys who've listened to our conversation yeah. for like 
two hours since at this point in time. But anyway, you, you know, you get it. So why not have a little fun with it? I, I don't fault the guy. I want to know, when did she stop standing up around them every time she talked? If she didn't learn the truth of what he did for 20 years. She probably did it a lo- for a long time. <laughs> right. Before finally someone was like, it's not you a Flemish costume. You don't have to <laughs> do this. That's something that would happen to me. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I, just us trying to be so culturally sensitive yep. with our backgrounds. I would just be like, popping up every you time. You name it, I'll do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have to talk with my left hand above my head. I'll do it <laughs> if it's not going to offend you. Sure. Huh? Oh. Isn't that funny? What? I have to bend over and touch my toes when I talk? Okay. All sure. right, I got you. Uh, yeah. I, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Yep. Oh my gosh. That is that's right, a now, good one. So now I'm curious. How many times has a translator really messed with people and they never knew it? And it was just for their own entertainment to get them through the day. I would have to think several. I think so too. Okay. We're going to finish our wine now after that. We hope you guys do something fun and productive after that as well. Yeah. Go do a good deed. And I'm going to try to, this was like, uh, I don't know, almost five hours of podcast the last Mm -hmm. couple so the next ones are going to be a little lighter I hope not that murder is ever light I don't mean to make it sound like that but maybe not as detailed and wait uh, until next week when I take you into a 10-hour journey (laughs) no I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding (laughs) all right well Amber's handling our next two cases to give me a little bit of a reprieve after that yes um and then I'll be back the week after that with a couple of cases. So we got good stuff coming up and it works. Follow us on our social medias, comment on our stuff that helps other people see us too and could maybe find us. Leave us a review. We're putting together a giveaway back basket in August, guys. And we're gonna pull from our reviewers. It's gonna be a really got some good scrumptious ideas. basket. It is. it is. So do that. And until next time, keep it curious and we'll talk to you later. Bye bye.